Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at bluenile.com. And remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello everyone, and after 62 days of summer break, we're back rucking and rolling for a brand new season. We're refreshed, renewed, and ready to wrap along with you all the way from now through to the World Cup and beyond. I'm Will Kelleher, and it's great to be back with Alex Lowe. Alex, how's it going? How have you been? Haven't seen you for ages. No, good, thank you. Very good. Had a week in Catalonia, been glued to the ashes, which, as we speak, is coming to its conclusion up on the screen above us. And... uh, (laughs) Yeah, raring to go for the rugby. Yeah, and also joining us, and it wouldn't be the ruck without some sort of travel disaster, <laughs> Stephen Jones is down the line in our studios in the Shires. I was looking forward to a new ruck until the RMT uh, got to work this morning. Um, thanks, lads. I'm really, really grateful to you. Uh, but I'm, I am looking forward to it. Lots of energy. The cricket is energising because it shows what a sport can do when it's run properly and when people go for it, I think. And uh, I mean, the crowd reactions were sensational. I, I'd really love to see some Twickenham crowd reactions and some reactions in Paris which uh, which are as, as fervent as that, because that was just good for the soul. It's all fresh and new, new season, lads, new ruck. Uh, we'll, we'll be the best and the biggest, so let's get cracking. Yeah. Well, what have you been up to, Steve? Well, you've been doing a fair bit of reporting on the rugby champ, but have you been to America more, Bruce Spring, Springsteen? No, not, not, uh, no um, just, just Europe. Uh, Bruce asked me to monitor the shows in especially in Europe in uh, mm. in Munich and Rome um, he was very pleased with them afterwards I, I just gave him a few tips and I said look Max Weinberg are, you, are we sure he still got it as the as the powerhouse drummer but Bruce was was very you know happy to talk to me uh, the gigs were the gigs were fantastic player um, ratings Steve yeah well the player ratings were uh, controversial I gave everyone <laughs> one of the gigs I gave everyone seven but I gave um Gary W. Talent to six, and bloody hell, was he pissed off. Unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. And, and Alex, but I want to give lots of marks to uh, everyone who plays rugby now, including the England team and all the others. I'm yeah. really looking forward to the World Cup. There's nothing like it. No, absolutely. Alex, where are you on the emotional scale with West Ham? Because they, they won the Europa Conference League right at the end of this last season, but then they've gone and sold Declan Rice, and then oh. don't look like they've got anyone coming in. What's going Yeah, on? and I'm still riding the wave of... Of watching that conference final in Did us. you buy the special terrible flame shirt? No. 
No, I'll wait till it's properly vintage retro <laughs> and then I get one. <laughs> the uh, great conference yeah, one of the, season. Yeah, one, one of the worst West Ham shirts has ever been, but is immediately iconic. No, I watched it in a sports bar in, in Ghana. Yeah. Can't remember whether I've been on since that trip. No, don't no. think so. so I went Explain to, why you were there, yeah. So I went to Africa with uh, Marutoji, who was launching his new foundation, the Pearl Fund, for to help educate kids in Ghana and Nigeria. So we started in Ghana... And due to a mix-up, my my visa wasn't valid to go into Nigeria because I was told I could pick it up on arrival and I was supposed to have collected it in London. So I was stuck in, in Accra for an extra night on my own, uh, which coincided with the, the Europa final and West Ham's mighty victory uh, in Prague. So I was sat there in a, on my own at the bar watching it with... It was kind of semi-full sports bar. And by the end, they were all West Ham fans. And they're all on their feet. <laughs> and, uh, the yeah, yeah. So it was, it was... It was. I'm still buzzing about that. Declan Rice was always going to go, wasn't he? I'm frustrated that they haven't they haven't signed any replacements. And there are some really good players who they should be buying. Mm-hmm. But but we've still got a couple of weeks to go. Yeah. Still got a couple of weeks to go. I'm probably more more enthused about life than, than Jonesy as a Tottenham fan. Yeah, genuinely feeling really positive about sport. I've, I, I've been, literally, as Jonesy said, glued to the cricket. And it's been just thrilling sporting drama entertainment and as, as Steve said it's it's captured as many people as can be captured by mm. a series that's on pay-per-view TV the football mm. the, the, the rugby world cup will be on on free-to-air terrestrial as, as it was and if if the if the teams attack it how they can and how they should it could be another of these great great sporting events yeah. you know cap off an incredible sporting summer with a with a thrilling autumn and, and we're you know we'll, we'll talk endlessly about it between now and then and, and about how tight it is about about the draw about all the permutations we've got squad selection to look at today but it's all we're all you know we're, I think we're all refreshed from the end of one long season about to, to leap into another with a lot of optimism yeah well we were well, well before we just before we go on and leave that point and but comparisons etc this is rugby's great chance to shine yeah. And I think that now the the game, the the rulers should be sitting down thinking, blimey, look at that cricket. We have got to appeal to people massively and we've got to get rid of all the rubbish. That is all the appealing by players, all that silly spidery uh, ruck thing that they do, all the intervals while eight people have a meeting about where to throw the ball in the line out, all the stuff that stops the game, they ought to wipe it out and uh, as cricket has done, and just have a pure rugby contest. Yeah, well, we were all a bit depressed after one of the worst seasons in English rugby history last year with three clubs going bust, England head coach losing his job and all sorts besides. But we are refreshed, we are renewed, and we are back for a new season of rucking. It's going to be a long old one, but we're, we're ready for it. And there's going to be plenty more travel chaos, I'm sure. Even though France <laughs> feels like an easy place to get around, we're going to be. I was going to say, Steve, all, this won't be the place. last train strike you encounter this year, I don't imagine. <laughs> Not with a, a World Cup in France coming up. Blimey. No, blind. Oh God, I'd be phlegmatic by then. <laughs> Not when you lose your wallet on the train, you won't. <laughs> no, no. the third time. <laughs> For this episode of the Ruck, we're, what we're going to do is we're going to name a pod squad. So Steve Borthwick's doing his final England World Cup squad next Monday. So by the time you listen to the Ruck after this one, there'll be in the final thirty-three man England squad out. There'll be a few others besides too. But we're going to have our go. So that's the pod squad coming. We're also going to talk about. The Summer Nation series, so Scotland have already played one of their games, but it's England-Wales, we've got a few more of those fixtures coming over the next few weeks, but also the Rugby Championship's been going and it's already finished. So we're going to have a brief look at that, as well as name a god or goddess of the week. But first, Steve, we, we need to cover off some sad news. You wrote in the paper a, a nice obituary for Clive Rowlands, the famous 
Welsh player and coach. So just a tribute to him before we move on. Yeah, um, look, Clive was um, a, a kind of, could call him without the, the, uh, a yesterday's man because the modern era of, of, of rugby fans and administrators wouldn't have known him that well, maybe just known it, know his name well. If you didn't know him well, it's best to research and, and look back on it. Absolutely mad rugby man from way back. A decent scrum half, but not not as he might say, as not not a brilliant scrum half. He said, "I wasn't Gareth." He told me once, and I said, "Which Gareth is that, Clive?" <laughs> but he, uh, he he wasn't Gareth, but famous for the great uh, the, the the world's leading uh, disaster on the rugby field when there were 111 lineouts in one game mm. at Murrayfield because Clive kept on kicking the ball into touch. But actually, he was a revolutionary. He was as passionate as hell about Wales, but he understood the world game. He had contacts everywhere. He was sympathetic. He was boisterous. He could be loud, but you always wanted to listen to him. If he cut the, the odd swear word down, he, he probably wouldn't, wouldn't have had quite as much to say. He was once asked um, by a television, uh, Clive, um, you just made a really good point there. Would you... Um, be able to repeat that but without using the f word he said uh, well i'll try but I'll, I'll have an effing good try he said uh, so that was a night insight into his lingo but he was just a magnificent bloke you trust him with your life great lines manager and my goodness you'd love someone of that ill in charge of british or world rugby or at least welsh rugby at the moment he's a visionary uh, a great guy Small guy, but a huge heart. Yeah. Well, fine tribute there, Steve. And rest in peace, Clive Rowland. Right, next up on the Ruck, England named their squad for the Rugby World Cup in France next Monday. But it's now our chance and there's loads to discuss. So why don't we go through all of that after this? Okay, so England have been quietly training in the background, not putting their heads above the parapet too much, but... Out of nowhere, really, in a week's time, on Monday, we're calling this on a Monday, but next Monday, Steve Borthwick will be announcing his final 33-man squad for the Rugby World Cup in France. They will have had one game against Wales, so suspensions and injuries aside, we will know the group on Monday. But we've had enough of that, so we're going to do our (laughs) own one. And we'll compare them next week when we come back and chat to you. Let's just do a few bits of admin first, because last World Cup, and for a few before that, there were 31 members of the squad but because of concussions and injuries and things like that and not being able to play as much back to back there's now 33 members that going to each world cup squad so where do you add the extra positions do you add extra hookers do you add extra scrum halves do you do more backs what do you do so with that where do we start gents we've got a lot to agree on a lot to disagree on as ever but i suppose alex let's start us chatting in here the things that agreed on are probably the front rows yeah, so England. so four years ago, England went to the World Cup with two tight heads and two scrum halves in a 31-man mm. squad. This year, with 33, it's certain that they're going to take three tight heads. Relieve Joe Marler of the responsibility of having to, to deputise on a tight head, which thankfully has only very rarely happened to him and, and wasn't needed, at, I don't think, in, in Japan from memory. But uh, England will take three tight heads. And they've already named them. They've been in. The, they've only had three in the squad for for weeks. Yeah. Um, Carl Sinclair, Dan Cole, and, and Will Stewart. And Steve Borthwick has said he won't be taking the, the risk at scrum half that Eddie Jones took, which obviously affected England in the in the week of the final last time where they had to fly out Ben Spencer. So he's planning on taking three scrum halves as well. Mm. 
and those three are already in the squad too. So we we know that it'll be Ben Youngs, Danny Kerr and Jack Van Portfleet, which so for me I think I think our pod squad would probably reflect that balance. Yeah. Too. I think if you had a if you had a player who could deputise at nine, you might be able to, to balance it differently, but but England don't have that kind of player. Yeah. So for me, we've got the tight heads selected. The front row is almost is almost there. The tight heads are those three. The hookers, Jamie George, obviously. Luke Cowan-Dickey is unavailable, so it's then... A huge drop-off in experience, then, at least. I mean, enormous drop-off of, like, 80, 70 caps or yeah. something. Jamie George, 70-odd, and, yeah, Jamie Lemire's got a handful, and Theo Dan's never uh, played a test. Jack Walker, hardly any himself. And the, lo- the latest England squad update had Jack Walker still in in rehab, not in the Priory, in, in rehabilitation. <laughs> which, calf injury. Calf injury, which means that Jamie George's deputies will be... Jamie Bermire and the uncapped Theo Dan from Saracens. Who's a great story, by the way. Started the last season at Amptill yeah, and then brilliant. ended up starring in the Prem final and probably going to go to the World Cup. I, Amazing. I do wonder if Walker is fit, whether they will still pick him. A, because he's been around the squad a bit. B, I think he's a stronger scrummager than, than Theo Dan. And listen, I've, I've seen Theo Dan a couple of times when Saracens have been on the front foot. When he came on in the Prem final against Sale, that's when Sale took charge of the, of the scrum battle. Could could be a coincidence. I just wonder whether, as dynamic as he is around the park, whether if there's an option to take a stronger scrummager, then they'll probably go with Jack Walker, which means a choice between Blamire and Dan. If Walker's not fit, then... Yeah. then, then it's, there is no choice. Yeah, with all of this, I suppose, we should caveat it by saying that we're going to be picking on the basis of who they've got in the squad already rather oh, than yeah, yeah. other people that we yeah. might have had in before, like yeah. Zach Mercer or whoever else. Because uh, the, the same applies at Loosehead, where Mako Runipola, who has been around the squad, is now not even listed in the rehab group. Then it becomes Ellis Genge, I think Joe Marler, and uh, one of Bevan Rod or... Val Rapavaruskin. But currently, uh, Rapavaruskin is out of it. Yeah, R- R- Rod, Rod was in. Rod came back into it. They were both in. Yeah. Rod got sent home, and then they switched. Yeah. So if Mako is is still out with a back injury, then then there is no choice there either. We mm. we, we have the three in in Genge, Marler, and and Bevan Rod. Yeah. So for those of people that haven't kept up with it all summer, Mako Vinopola had a back surgery after mm. the end of the prem season. So. He's pretty touch and go. So for me, it's fairly simple. If he's not fit, Bevan Rod goes, and then you've got your nine front rowers, basically. You've got your nine. The, the, Jack Walker would be the only one if he was to... Yeah. Because he's still listed as being with the squad. Mm. He, he might come in. Um, Does that, that sound all good so far to you, Steve? We've got Ellis Gens, Joe Marler, Bevan Rod or Maka Vinopola, Jamie George, Jamie Blumeyer, Theo Dan or Jack Walker, and then the three oh, tight heads, Cole Sinclair and Stewart. Yeah, it's a shame we can't um, spread out a bit because we've got to... You know, there's no point in us picking someone, as you say, from outside. I would really love to see a name in there of a dominant scrummager of a of of someone like uh, who South Africa had got, or or the new Springbok, or the new New Zealand uh, tight head. When you think that Dan calls there four years on from a World Cup final when he had all sorts of problems, and he's still there, and, and really no one has come through to challenge the the, the triumvirate. Of, a tight head, or indeed a loose head. Joe Marler, definitely. I don't see a great, devastating scrummage being built there unless they can really work hard in the summer. No. I'm really glad Marler's there. Theo Dan, unquestionably, I would take him. I'd be very close to taking him as second choice mm. because I think that he is the future. I think he's a future Saracens captain, and I think that he's, he's just the sort of player that England have sort of lacked. As far as the scrum halves go, you name them again, lads. 
don't really, not really excited. Danny Kerr's done wonderfully to keep going. Ditto Ben Youngs. Are they going to dominate or take a big World Cup match towards England? I somehow doubt it. But yeah, those are the three scrum halves. And so I won't be mentioning Harry Randall, who should definitely have gone. I think our, our, on the great grapevine, we've got our three scrum halves direct. Steve, what, 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 this might be a theme through this conversation, but when you went to see Steve Borthwick last week, mm. one of the lines in your interview that jumped out was his reference to building an England team in his own image, if you like, focusing on the pack, defence, all those fundamentals sprinkled with a bit of magic was was the phrase he used, I think. Certainly magic. Yeah. Now, as we go through this, I wonder whether that theme might crop up, but if by magic, did you get a sense of what he meant by that? Does he mean a, a Theo Dan who can do something that, that's just a bit different to what, what the other players in his position can do? Yeah, yes, uh, exactly. Uh, but he, he, didn't, he did really mean that. Yes, certainly Theo Dan. To be fair, he didn't mention him by name. But I think he meant, I mean, I mean, he brought up Jerry Guscott's name. Well, there's no Jerry in the squad, is there? We know that. No one's got a Jerry. I mean, I think uh, someone else who was um, party to one of the conversations we had thinks he, he it was a plus for Elliot Daly because he's okay. he, he has got a bit of genius. But uh, I have to say, you, you're right to ask the question because we didn't actually come up with a list of, of great backs who can, who can make an alter, you know, who can change the play. But I think with, with Dan, I think he really likes him. And yeah, the only other one I can think of is, is Elliot Daly. But Anthony Watson, too, providing that Anthony gets involved in the game more than he does, rather than being stuck out on the wing. Yeah, I, th- I definitely think we'll, we'll come back to that, because I agree with you about Daly and um, mm-hmm. and Watson, and, and there may be one or, one or two others. Um, Will, the, the, the debate here is focus on the back five i think yeah i mean like yeah. Yeah. The, the back five and the back three are the are the areas i think that are the, the most well certainly where they have the most options yeah. now so why don't i run through what i've got down on my list and the sort of runners and riders and then you guys can pick through the bones locks maritoji 100 percent going then the other options there in the squad are george martin from leicester johnny hill from sale david ribbons going to toulon from northampton and ollie chesham and the thing with chesham is that as people will remember, he had a very bad dislocation of his ankle in around the last week of the Six Nations, so in March, and hasn't played since. But he's been kept in squads the whole way. Had a very good Six Nations by all of our thinking, I think. But it's whether he's absolutely fit. And there's a few of those in this squad. So he's one in sort of red ink at the moment. Flanker-wise, or I suppose there's a few sort of big sixes come locks tag characters. So that in that category is Courtney Laws, definitely, who could you could class him as a lock, even though he hasn't played there at test level for a while. But then you've got Tom Curry, who's a certainty, really. Um, Jack Willis, who's probably in, not absolutely in that category, but very close. And then lots of debate to be had around Lewis Ludlam, Tom Pearce and Ben Earl. And then number eight, Billy Vinopola, is he absolutely fit? Is he not? And then there's Alex Dombrant and Tom Willis. So with all that, there's a hell of a lot to pick through and it, Depends on balance of back rows and balance of where you're adding people and taking people away from other places. But if you start with your locks, Steve, you're a man that used to play in that position and love your forward play. So where are your big locks coming from? Big locks are coming from Saracens and Sale. Tells you it's obviously obvious. Johnny Hill uh, has not been sending the world alight, but I just think he's the he's just a he's just a big guy in the middle of the lineup that you've got to have. Uh, slightly old-fashioned, maybe, but I, st- I still think he can move. I have, I'd have Johnny Hill. I'd be interested to see what Alex thinks of of George Martin because he seems to have 
come into contention now as a second row as well. Well, he's a big, powerful guy, uh, not the, not easily liftable, I wouldn't have thought, but uh, Itoji, Martin and Hill uh, is where I would start, guys. If Chesham, who I'd really do rate, uh, is not is not quite there and would be great for the next time. So on the one, Martin. So I, I interviewed him at the back end of last season, and he is absolutely enormous mm. in person. Mm. I mean, he looks big on the field anyway. But to the point where, like, for people who have never met me, I'm six foot three, and he enveloped my hand as he shook my hand and to say hello. To the point where I think his fingers were halfway up my forearm. So he is an enormous bloke and clearly very he- heavily rated by Borthwick and yeah. can be a six. Some, I don't know, he could be a sort of South African-y, Peter Steph de Toy, Franco Moster type I, I, guy. I think exactly that, because I was talking to someone at Leicester last season, towards the end when he broke into that team playing second row, that his output in the game, so his his, his tackle count, his, his carries, his, his impact on the game was as effective in the second row as it was at six. There was no change to, how, to, to, to what he brought to Leicester. And I think, hey, he's a... He's a Big hefty unit, which Steve would help that those front row boys to have him in behind. Same with same with Chesson. But I think if you're looking for carriers, players to drive England forward, athletes. Yeah, you know, when he was in the England squad in that COVID season and he made his debut, he was kind of almost wiry compared to what he is now. Uh, I and mean, he wasn't wiry, but he was compared to what he is now. Mm. And he was a rookie. I remember England releasing a video of of Genge almost teaching him what looked like pretty fundamental uh, rucking drills to me. But he's come on enormously and he's fulfilling the potential that Leicester have always known he's had and Steve Borthwick has always known he's had. I, I would take him and I would take him even if Ollie Chesham doesn't make it. Now, I really hope he does because his impact in the, the start of the Six Nations was was kind of the complete opposite to, to England's. Like he was pretty much their best player for those first two or mm. uh, three games before before he got injured. Outstanding. And they clearly want him because they've kept him in the whole way through. I would pick Marutoji, Oli Chesham and George Martin. And then for me, the decision would be whether or not we would want Courtney Laws to be considered as a lock as well as a six. Because the impact of that decision then dictates how many the rest of the balance of, of your back row. Yeah. Now, Courtney hasn't played lock. He, Since he, the last he, he, filled, he filled in there off in, in games. Mm. Um, but he hasn't started at lock since the last World Cup. Yeah. He doesn't consider himself to be a lock. But somewhere within your 33, you're going to have to be slightly shorter-handed than you would ideally like. So one of the decisions is, does that happen in the midfield? Does it happen in the back row? Does it happen in the second row? And I would be tempted to pick those three guys plus Courtney to then free up extra space in the back row because Billy Vunipola, who's only just come out of the rehabilitation group and into the main squad, is going to be nailed on starter if he's fit. So I'd pick Itoji, Chesham, if he's fit, and Martin. Consider Courtney as the backup fourth lock, knowing that he'll likely play six. And for me, that then gives you an extra spot to have a better balance in in the back row. Yeah. Well, Steve, if we widen this a bit, because obviously it depends on the flankers too, um, as we've run through the the runners and riders there, Curry, Laws, Willis, Ludlam, Pearson, Earl, Vunapola, Dombrandt, Tom Willis and Jack. Where do you see the balance? Where because we're going to have to scrimp somewhere. That you can't have everyone. So I think. What I do think you think it, on the laws lock thing that frees up maybe more spaces for a second eight or more flankers? You don't look. The thing about laws is he's liftable. I don't think now in the in the modern era. I think that second row. Uh, with, with his weight problems, Courtney, that you can't actually put it on. I think second row has passed him by. 
unless you're talking about moving him there for the last 20 minutes. The reason I've got Hill there is because he's a line-out man. Now, George Martin takes a heck of a lift. If you're trying to do a fast lift, you need about six people to lift <laughs> Martin. So that's why I've got Hill. And I actually got, I, I'm pretty happy to go, the trade-off is to have four locks, have Ches- a Chesham there as well. That's what I would do. And then you've got Courtney, who, who can stay at six and be a, also be a jumper because there's not an awful lot of real spring heel jump jumpers there so uh that that that's it i mean as far as i'm concerned um uh courtney's got to go uh he's as uh, he's as almost as certain as say uh, tom curry but i would have him in the back row so who are you leaving out of your back row of the others then okay well first of all i'm having every willis available okay uh, tom and, uh, and and jack willis yeah i'm having them both i, I really really rate them both I think they're both in a different class to any of the other contenders. And I think Tom Willis is the sort of guy, given the chance, who can really come back as a fantastic player. Lewis Ludlam is a fantastic player, but I would not put him above any of these guys and I would not put him above the status of excellent squad man and excellent club player. But do you bring him? Because it then... There's no. also Tom Pearson and there's also Ben Earl. So are you having none of those three, or are you having one of them or two of them? What are you? What are you doing? I'm I'm, I'm having uh, Ben Earl's Ben Earl just for one of them. I'm not having Pearson. I'm not having um, Ludlam for sure. Uh, Pearson is a great man. Will be a great man for four years time. I think both both Willis's um, Tom Curry obviously and Courtney. That'll do me actually. That'll okay. do me. So where are you going, Alex? So if you if you're taking four locks plus Courtney. Mm-hmm. And two of the locks are Chesham and Martin, and you've got Courtney. You don't need anyone else to play six. You've got cover at six. So that means basically no Pearson and no and no Ludlam. Yeah. Now my argument for for Ludlam is that he's he's a scrapper, he's a fighter, and I really like everything that he stands for as a rugby player. And I think he's and he's capable of playing in all three positions across the back row. Which ordinarily, when you when you set up these selections and you pick your locks then you pick your back row in a world cup squad if you've got someone who can make an impact in all three positions then you think they're nailed on but the the way that this is balanced if we in our squad are going to pick four locks plus courtney and two of those locks to play six then then i don't think ludlam fits in and curry is nailed on jack willis is nailed on billy vinopola is nailed on so then it becomes, do you have somebody else? Do, do you take uh, an Alex Dombrant who is only in number eight to, yep. to back up Billy? Alex, who had a poor Six Nations and, and as we know, was nearly dropped I twice. I think he's struggling, yeah. Or do you take a Tom Willis who can make a bit, you know, his big, powerful carrier, can, I think he can, can jump, certainly yep. a good backup for, for Billy if Billy was to be injured. I, I really like everything that Tom Willis looks like he's going to become as a, as a rugby player. Mm. Or do you... Do you go back to that magic point of sort of a player who does something a bit different to everything else that you've got? And in, and in that area, you look at a Ben Earl or a Tom Pearson. Mm. My worry about going with Curry Willis, Curry Jack Willis, Tom Willis and Billy is that it's a little, say, it's not samey because they're not the same player, but is there an alternative? Is there someone who, who could come into the mix off the bench and bring something completely different. Yeah. In in Curry, so you've good. got you've got power, physicality, and huge tackle. In Willis, you've got the same things plus brilliantly um, effective over the ball. You know, I just wonder in the balance whether you'd need to add in a Pearson or or an Earl. I think we, where, where we've got to then, if if we're gonna if we're gonna take four locks, which I think is probably I probably it wasn't what I initially had, but if Chesham is, I know he's a month away from the tournament, but if we're worried 
I think that that's a fair call. So those, then sorry, just got, to, to the admin, those four would be Ato, Itoji, Martin, Chesham, Hill. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Hill, Hill over ribbons for me. Yeah. yeah then, then I think we've got to Courtney going as a six only, Curry and Jack Willis uh, and Billy at eight, which which leaves us, I think, one choice... Between Tom Willis, Ben Earl, Tom, Tom Pearson, Pearson and Alex Dombrant. Alex Dombrant. I, I, I would say Dombrant, the least likely to go over those. I would never be able to select this properly because Ben Earl and Pearson, I just, you know nothing about Pearson yet because he's not played a game, mm. which is brutal of having an early squad being picked next week after one match. Mm. Ben Earl, for the last two seasons, has been one of the players of the Prem and offers different dy- dynamism, different pace from others. Mm. But he's never quite seemed to fit in an England team. Um, and Tom Willis is in a similar category to Tom Pearson. He's not played a test match yet. I think because we're not sure about Billy, you need someone who definitely can play number eight. So mm. I think then Tom Willis then beats Ben Earl. I, I think given where Billy is fitness which is wise, harsh, but you're making a choice between between a, a sort of a flying flanker who can who can add something different, but who never really won the trust of an England coach. Tom Pearson, who. Borthwick loves and likes him as a six mm. as well as a seven but I think we've already decided in in our balance we don't need any more sixes because we've, we've got, got loads, loads. Yeah. so then it's then it's a choice between who do you want as as the backup mm. number eight who can also add something else I think Don Brandt as, a, as only a number eight is too limited to be in this yeah, in this yeah. squad only as a backup eight so therefore I'm probably down to Tom Willis or or Lewis Ludlam because of the, the versatility so you are bringing bring. Earl He's coming back into it, or he's not going. No, okay. I, I, what I'm saying is, I think we, we've got a choice between the Pearson Earl option mm. or the backup number eight versatile option, which is Tom Willis or, or Ludlam. Yeah. We've got to go one way or the other. And I just feel because of where Billy is, we're we're safer taking Tom Willis. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I, I'll tell you one thing about Billy: two things. A, they're desperate to take him, but Definitely, B, yeah. but B, only one, absolutely one hundred percent. To play in the first game of the World Cup, you mm. know what I mean? Yeah. Which you is know, Argentina, you, you, the biggest one. Take anyone. He's, he's. Oh, I'm, I'm almost there. Oh. I think they're really impressed by the way he's come back, but they're not going to take him unless he's absolutely proves his fitness. I think. I think where this pack, the way you'd sell this pack th- that doesn't have a Ben Earl or a Tom Pearson in it, which I would never have imagined picking mm. at any point during last season. I thought they'd both be nailed on, mind you. We all thought Zach Mercer would be in the in the frame <laughs> as well. Is that it's about the most powerful than England could pull together. Yeah. Whether you go for Ludlam or Tom Willis, and I'm a big fan of, of Ludlam, but just wonder whether Willis might come up on the on the rails with England, and he's certainly a, a, one of the front runners with, with us. That is about the most powerful England could, physical, could, which physical, keep talking about. England could pick. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, why don't we move on to the backs, and I appreciate we're going to take a while over these two, but we well, might the find backs, another... Matter. We've done the important <laughs> right? But we might find... Another little spare flanker spot, depending on what we do with the back. So we've got the scrum halves, Van Portfoot, Young's care, fine. Then it seems it seems like it should be easy. Farrell, Ford, Smith. However, Alex and I were downstairs before having a coffee and having a debate. It, and Steve, I'm sure you'll you won't have an opinion on this. <laughs> do, is there any point taking Marcus Smith? Discuss. What you tell me? What you were talking about in your meeting? So. If the idea is to play, if Farrell's a captain, Farrell's a starting ten. If that's the if that's the plan, um, then Ford is the second choice. He's on the bench. He's Steve Borthwick's favourite from Leicester. He was incredible at the end of last season with Sale. So Smith doesn't get in the match day twenty three against 
um, Argentina or Japan. So is Smith going to the World Cup to play against Samoa and Chile? If so, why? Because you could then cover Billy some with another flanker or another number eight. Secondly, if the style of play that England want to play is set-piece, kick-chase, pressure, kick the other end of the field, more than a 1,000 metres of kicking, as Steve meant, mentioned in your article with Borthwick the other day, then again, that's not the Marcus Smith game. Also, it tightens up the further you get through the tournament with a quarterfinal against Australia or Wales or Fiji and then a semi-final against one of the best teams in the world. So, again... But does he bring the magic that but you referred to? Do, is he the magic off the bench when it's tight, it's a quarterfinal or a semi-final? You need something to happen. And does he benefit by having Danny Kerr there as the bench nine, perhaps? Is it a luxury to have three fly halves when you are toying around with these debates about flankers, so four, for four years ago, England took Ford and Farrell only with Piers Francis and, I guess, Henry Slade as, as backup that were never required. Um, or, or Francis, sorry, that's not quite true. Francis played against the USA, but that was in a, a game where they had a four-day yeah. turnaround and that doesn't happen in this tournament. You don't have those quick turnarounds. Yeah. So as I was going through it and trying to get the balance, it just the thought occurred, will Borthwick want to take three tens? And would we want to take three tens? And also, Smith only plays ten, and so does Ford. Whereas obviously Farrell plays ten and twelve. And if you're thinking of two England backlines, one of which starts with Farrell, Tuolangi, Slade, another one that starts with Farrell, Ford, Farrell, Tuolangi, or Ford, Farrell, Lawrence, for example, where's Smith playing in these big games? So again, we're preempting, we're discussing. Steve, where are you? Well, Come on. Well, look, it's 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 a luxury. And when Marcus comes on, when he came on to start for England, they had to change their whole game. He couldn't he, for many 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 times. He didn't stand at first receiver. Farrell came into first receiver, and Marcus sort of ran round behind the backs, looking for his chance and looking for where he was going to insert himself. Well, the England backs division didn't know what the hell they were doing anyway. But with Marcus maybe coming in, maybe not, it was really difficult. I think that they will want to be not not, not boring and, and and not one one dimension. But I think they'll want to be a bit more organised than that. I I wouldn't take him. Uh, absolutely wouldn't take him. And I know that um, uh, we, we, I, I'm not that fond of the ten twelve thing with the two with Ford and Farrell either. But I think uh, they are, I, and they will be. I, I, but I know that actually Steve Borthwick is by no means ruled out playing both in the same game, mm. Ford and Farrell. I, I didn't, by no means ruled it out. I think what became so, clear I was, when I was down at, at the training centre the other week, we were talking to George Ford about um, what he would, he'd learned from the rugby championship. And the first thing he pulled out was the shift away from the box kick battle uh, and how hmm. teams were, were now no longer kicking as much off nine, but shifting it and kicking more from midfield because it's harder for the, the receiving team to build a, an escort to make it easier for the receiving catcher. Now, if that's something that England have picked up and talked about, that to me is what they're gonna they're gonna look to to execute. Therefore, they need more than even previously a second kicking option further out wide. Now, a lot of teams have that at fifteen. England don't have that with Freddie Stewart. That's not he's not that type of a fullback. So you're either looking at, at a, a sort of a Ford Farrell dynamic or a Farrell Slade dynamic or a Smith Farrell dynamic, which I think we've all agreed doesn't really. Mm still, after over a year of working on it, still hasn't meshed. So if England are going to need to play a second kicker in that in that midfield area, then it, re- it really plays to exactly the same setup they had four years ago, which was to either play Ford, Farrell, Manu, or Farrell, Manu, 
Slade, which he did in, foot, yeah. in the uh, in the quarterfinal against Australia. So, because at the moment it depends what we do with the centres, but they should be. So let's we'll return to Smith in a second. But let's all agree, I suppose, that Manu Tuilangi, Ollie Lawrence, Henry Slade, Elliot Daly, all going, and that probably depending on where you count Elliot Daly. Yeah, I've got Daly as a wing, which would mean no Joe March and primarily, no primarily a wing. And then I, and, I think Joe Marchand would be unlucky. I'll just say a thing yeah. word about Daly. That is that you know the, the, from the time when he was in it, just beautiful playing for Wasps outside Danny Cipriani with Christian Wade on the wing and Willie Roo coming up from fullback. He was brilliant outside centre. The word got round that he wasn't that great at tackling, but it is categorically uh, he, he can play in many places, including Alex as Alex on the left wing. I would love to see him alongside Tuilangi in the centre. Because it is a complementary partnership. It is both in they're both in their natural positions. And I would really love to see it happen so we can see it in action in one of the warm-up games. Yeah. I think he's going for all sorts of reasons. Goal kicking, left foot kicking normally, the fact that he can play three positions at least in the back three, maybe four with possible fullback. He's um the classic number twenty-three in a match day twenty-three if you need him. Yeah, and the link-up with Owen Farrell that he showed for Saracens before he got injured last season, I think he's in. But So so we kind of decide on the centres, slash one of the wing, if you count Daly's a wing. What about mm. other wingers? Anthony Watson, you're pretty sure he's going. Henry Arundel, even though he's not absolutely ripped up trees for England yet, feels like he's one of those sort of magic guys that they could put in. Max Maylis like was a starter. Yeah. And then where do you go with Johnny May, Joe Thockenasega and Caden Murley? You've, you probably need four wingers, and there's... Six there. Can I just say about those wingers, Joe Cocker, the singer, he's been promising now for about f- 10 years. He's always been on the fringes and never quite made it because he's been misused. He's also been had injuries, and but he's the sort of player you would love to take. Mm. Um, Johnny, May, yeah. J- Johnny May has had a real dip in form, but last time I saw him play, he looked, at, he looked a little bit more like his old self. But I, I wouldn't take him. I wouldn't take Murley. I would take Cocky the singer just because of the potential in a touring situation of what of what he could could be. Yeah, I agree with that, Alex. Oh, I find this so hard because <laughs> it's all difficult. Gonna because say you're going to leave out you're going to leave out someone who probably doesn't like Max Malins. Have we mentioned Max Malins? Yeah, he he was one of our list of wings. Yeah, like he he was outstanding for England in the Six Nations. He's an intelligent all round footballer he could cover your fullback position daily could also do that obviously i mean watson can but possibly I don't, 10 i don't think as a 10, 10 level Malin's, he, he could be the piers francis mm. backup 10 in our in any situation if we own if we only took two tens i really like caden murley now i know he's been recalled to the training squad i don't think that means he's he's in line to, to be picked cock and a singer I, I i agree with you jack i think he's he's big and powerful and when he's on it he's on it but i don't mm. think you pick someone just because they're they're big and powerful. I don't think he's shown enough all round mm. to get in the squad. The, so who are you having then? Well, the magic point. Like, I, I'm not convinced about Arundel yet. Like I think he's he's a hell of a talent, and they they mm. they obviously love him. And what he the potential of what he could do will will still frighten opponents. He's young and he's raw, but I I'd take him because I think there is room for for someone who could who could take the tournament. Light it up, yeah. Yeah, and and back to the magic point, Steve. I I would take Arundel, and I think I'd probably take Malin's ahead of yeah. May and Murley and Cochrane Singer because he's more experienced, he's a Premiership winner, he is yeah. he is comfortable in different roles and he's a really intelligent mm. footballer and 
Um, link so, up with Farrell, link up with Daly. Yeah, some of those exactly. So my, my bat five that I would propose would be Watson. I mean, I've, I've got Daly listed as a, as a bat five. Mm. I, I, Watson, uh, Stewart. Yeah, Malins, sorry, Stewart's obviously going. Yeah, Malins, Arundel. So no Thokinasiga. No. So this is where we get back. I mean, we'll need to round it up in a second. So so at the moment, if we are picking Cock and Asiga, then we don't have space for Marcus Smith, perhaps. Or if we are picking Smith, we don't have space for either an extra back row or an extra wing. Steve? Either Cock and Asiga or Arundel. I don't, I don't think you can take two people you, you think might be brilliant, but mm. actually may not be. So yeah, I, I would I agree with, with, with the team. I'll tell you something, though, in terms of this X factor that Steve Borthwick was talking about. You're cocking a singer, Daly, a Slade, Tuilangi, Watson. England have got some great backs, you know. You can't help feeling that somewhere they've let them down because they, they should be a far more attractive and high-scoring team than they are. Yeah. And maybe, maybe this is the time when Richard Wigglesworth will, will get it out of them. So we've got one one position to fill then. If we're not taking Thokinasiga, we've got Malins, Arundel, Watson, Daly as the wings, Lawrence, Slade, Tuolangi as the centres, Stuart the fullback. So we can have one more player. So do you want <laughs> the guys on the sideline at the moment, Ben Earl, Tom Pearson, Alex Dombrandt, Marcus Smith, Joe Marchant, Guy Porter, Thokinasiga, May, Murley. And we've discounted their ribbons, we've discounted Walker, or the number right. and we've discounted Mako. So of those fringe guys, you're allowed one more. Do you want an extra flanker? Do you want an extra number eight? Do you want yeah. an extra ten or a kind of back three player? Back, Alex, back I, I go for I'd go for the extra flanker and I go for the, the, the new the, the different style of Ben Earl. Okay, so you're having Earl, yeah. Alex. We're gonna have to agree on this. I think, I personally, it's not maybe what I would definitely do myself for the whole thing, but in this scenario, I do think that Smith is a luxury and I think you need another flanker. So it's Earl or Pearson for me. What do you think? Just on the whole idea of not selecting Marcus Smith for the World Cup would yeah. come with an enormous amount of <laughs> comment and... The Times comment section is going to get us. Yeah, but, the, you know, distraction. If England oh, de- if England right. de- oh, I'm really worried about that. <laughs> if, if England They're de- all gr- friends of mine, it's all right. <laughs> if England are grinding out wins, there'd be a lot of, like, where's Marcus? I, I think Borthwick would have to be aware if it's he doesn't call. pick Smith. Massive call. That that it would be a decision that he'll have to carry the whole way through the, the competition. Which isn't the answer we aren't. No, no, which I think is just a, is an interesting yeah. element to Borthwick's decision. So in the context of what we're picking here, I, I don't think there's there's any point picking a specialist. So like, you can't pick a Don Brandt, you can't pick a May. It has to be a Marchant or someone who can add something different that they don't that isn't already in that squad, which which is another flanker. And of the two choices, Earl and Pearson, who we didn't have, I'd be I could be talked into either. Um, I've seen a lot more of Ben Earl than I have of Tom Pearson. Um, I, I'd, I'd probably go with him. Okay, so Earl is in, and this is our squad for the World Cup. Steve Borthwick, I hope you're listening. Ellis Genge, Joe Marler, Bevan Rod, depending on Macavinapola's availability. Jamie George, Jamie Blamire, Theo Dan, depending on Jack Walker's availability. Dan Cole, Kyle Sinclair, Will Stewart. Maro Otoji, George Martin, Ollie Chesham, Johnny Hill, Courtney Laws, Tom Curry, Jack Willis, Lewis Ludlam, Ben Earl, Billy Vinopola, Tom Willis, Jack Van Portfleet, Ben Youngs, Danny Kerr, Owen Farrell, George Ford, Manu Tuolangi, Henry Slade, Ollie Lawrence, Elliot Daly, Max Malins, Henry Arundel, Anthony Watson, Freddie Stewart. Congratulations to everyone. 
And why now don't we move on to some actual rugby, which is coming on Saturday. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready get 30, ready get 20 20, 20 ready get 20 20, ready get 15 15, 15 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, everyone, after one of the longest selection deliberations in recent history, we better rattle through for the rest of it. So we've got World Cup warm-ups or the Summer Nation Series, as they're going to be calling it, um, coming up on the weekend. Scotland have already played Italy, but they're playing France um, on Saturday, 3.15. Wales, uh, England, 5.30. And Ireland, Italy, 8. There's also New Zealand, Australia and Argentina, South Africa in sort of games that are outside the rugby championship. We've covered loads of England. There's loads of unknowns about Wales, Steve. So should we just do like 30 seconds on, on Wales? What, what on earth are we going to see from them? Who's going to be their captain for a start, I suppose? Dowie Lake, Jack Morgan, they seem to be favoured. I think they they split into two categories, Wales. One is quite a long list of ageing players who've been absolutely magnificent, and Wales pray that they've got one more left in them. And the new generation, led by Dewey Lake, who I think is a Lions hooker in the making, and they've got those two sides uh, uh, that Warren Gatlin has got to put together, Will. That, you know, you take someone like Dan Lydiat, I mean, who was one of the great flankers of the era, is he still, can he still pull it out one more time at the age of 36 or however old he is? So they're either callow or they're really, really long in the tooth. So it's 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 blending that. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how they go as well, isn't it? And yeah, Scotland beat Italy, we should have mentioned before. And in, for anyone worried that we're a bit England heavy this time, don't don't fear because over the course of the next few months, we're going to have our correspondents from all over the place: Elgin Alderman, Steve James, Mark Palmer, Peter O'Reilly. They're all going to be on the pod. We might even have a return of Owen Slot. Do you remember him? He, do you remember he used to do this? Slotty. We might yeah. even get David Walsh on. Danes with his Barnes. presence and not be at the Masters or the Ryder Cup or Wimbledon or. The FA Cup. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to cover all sorts over the next few months. But before we wrap up, why don't we do a quick look at the Southern Hemisphere Challenge? Because 
We've had a shortened rugby championship. New Zealand won it, as they often do, although not always in World Cup years. Um, and if they were under the radar, which is difficult for all black teams to be, they certainly aren't now. They haven't lost in 10 tests, Steve. You watched their games on those Saturdays, mm. particularly that game against South Africa in Auckland, not at Eden Park, at the Mount Smart. Mm. They looked pretty formidable, especially in that early stages. Funny, uh, they, they, they did. Uh, you knew exactly what they were going to do. They were going to come out fast, but don't think anyone realised how fast they were going to come out. They were absolutely blisteringly quick. Uh, and and but South Africa, you'd think would would have would knew what was known what was coming. It was as if South Africa had no idea how the All Blacks were going to play. I'll tell you one thing though that that once South Africa got to grips in, with that game, there was a time in the second half when had they scored and they looked like it, it could have been really really close. New Zealand went away in the end, but um, I think the good news the good news for New Zealand fans is they they've got a couple of new players in, but Ardi Survey is playing on his skin. Uh, they got a better scrum than they had last time and a better better midfield than they had last time, which is not difficult. But uh, we, you do know what they're going to do. And that is why Eddie Jones, God bless him, absolutely caned them in, in, in Japan because they knew what they were going to do. Uh, England knew what they were going to do. So I think New Zealand will be dangerous. But at the moment, I don't think that it's one of those things where it's New Zealand against the rest. Yeah, no, I, I think I might agree with that. And South Africa is an interesting one because they're doing what they did last time where they're sort of not really showing their hand. They're not playing their full 15 or their full 23 yet. They're kind of waiting for Sir Khaleesi to come back from his knee injury. Oh. They're desperate for Andre Pollard to come fit too. Manny Lebox played at 10, a bit more of an expansive 10, but not really clicked into gear. They're sending different groups of different combinations to different places. Where do you think the, the Bocca are, Alex? Well, before that game in, in New Zealand, they, I put a tenner on them to win the World Cup because <laughs> they were 9-2. to two, I still a good bet, I think. Which I think is a, yeah, is a good bet because so long as they can... As long as they can peak, I think one of the, the challenges that South Africa have more than anyone else is the 12-month season. Yeah. And their guys never stop. But if they can manage it and peak, you know, and, and I, I, we've also got a lot of time. Like they showed the last World Cup that you can lose the opening game and win, win mm. the World Cup, which I think is an important thing for New Zealand to remember because they play France opening night. That, that is not the World Cup final. Yeah. You know, those two teams could well meet again two months later in the World Cup final. I think South Africa are dangerous because Massively because dangerous. they can take a grip on the game through through sheer force um, mm. and power, as Steve said, and and that can they can be immovable when they have that grip. But I thought what New Zealand, you know, New Zealand, but by the time they found their feet in that game, New Zealand was seventeen nil ahead, <laughs> and they'd had ninety plus percent of possession. Um, that's a pretty unusual situation in, in any Test match for one team to have, to have that much. So South Africa are dangerous. But New Zealand are an improving team, and I think Joe Schmidt's involvement is going to be mm. critical for them. You know, the, the the box kicking, midfield kicking thing that we talked about a bit earlier in the pod. I think that's a Joe Schmidt development with the All Blacks that, that everyone has picked up on really quickly. His involvement tactically will be really important for them to maybe bring something different than than we don't. You know, so that so that you don't get a repeat of what what Eddie did last year, which was which Eddie got two weeks in a row you got New Australia doing exactly what they said they were going to do and played into England's hands and then New Zealand something similar the following week so I'm looking at those two as real threats uh, and then we look at Australia and there's just so much that's familiar isn't there Steve so much <sighs> some of the talk that, that's coming out we've heard it all before some of what what's trying to be implemented on the field you know it took two or three years before it completely collapsed of England trying to 
evolved this sort of almost Manchester City style attack of constant rotation and no no fixed positions and 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 it, and it didn't work. And Eddie Jones is trying to do that with Australia in in, in five matches, and they could with another game against the All Blacks to play in Dunedin, in Dunedin, and then France in Paris as a warm up. Oh, like, they Look, could be naught from five going into the World Cup. Yeah, easily, easily, and um, I, I, again, you, you, you despair with Australia sometimes because they simply cannot bring themselves to bring through proper scrimmaging forwards either. Their scrum is all is always this. The one they got now is better, but it's always struggling. And and uh, as you say, I mean, when you've got that talent, you must be able to do better than that, and to and to use it better. Uh, and you know, it 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 must have sent a chill round, and and uh, when people realised that it was all confusion, and, and Eddie wasn't the conquering hero, but also, um, you know, what are they going to do in Dunedin against against the All Blacks? I mean, it's not a very nice place to go anyway. It, it, it could be bloody horrible if the All Blacks want to make it so. They do have Will Skelton back in terms of big scrummaging forwards, but he's not quite been the dominant La Rochelle man that we've seen. Probably had a hell of a long season, to be honest. And then, plus at La Rochelle, he's got loads of others yeah. around him doing the same thing. Well, and if you if you're looking at Ballast, look what they've just lost over the weekend. Alan Alalatoa's ruptured his Achilles; yeah. he's gone. Taniella Tupo looks all over the place on the weekend mm. and got sub- probably should have been substituted, but they didn't have another tight head. He's going to be a struggle yeah. to get fit. He just looks far too big for his own good, to be honest. But yeah. So, yeah, yeah, all sorts of problems. Last note, Argentina. To me, I've watched bits of their games, and obviously with an England hat on, that's the first pool game, so that's very intriguing. They just look dangerous, really dangerous, I think. And they look really hard to put away. And England are not very good at putting anyone away. And hasn't they haven't shown that for a, a couple of years. So I think with Michael Checker at the helm and some really horrible, nasty forwards causing chaos and a few very exciting backs. Santi Carreras at 10, Matteo on the wing. That's that's going to be fascinating. That's a massive Well, well they, they've got to start better and they've got to stop giving away so, so many penalties. I saw them play this the Springboks uh, um, on, on the television. They lost by quite a number of points. And they also did, sorry, they, they also lost by a number of points to New Zealand. They could have won both games had own, if they'd only played the referee and been disciplined. With, with, with Argentina, I think that in, in every four performances, they've got one worldie in them. If that's against England, they can beat England. Right, well, loads and loads and loads of more stuff to come. Loads of talk about the Summer Nation series and then into the World Cup. Next week we'll have the England squad, but we've already named ours. But why don't we finalise this episode of the pod, the first one back, with a god or goddess of the week? I'll go go first, and... I don't want to bring the mood down, but I'm actually going to go for devil, a devil of the week. A Mark, Already? A Mark oh. Evans special, but it's with positive intent. Okay. <laughs> so we ba- talk- You're bazballing, are you? Yeah. So we, we talked at the very top of this um, uh, pod about what this tournament can bring, engagement, like this is rugby's chance to shine. Throughout the Ashes, we've seen you only have to go on social media and there and the rights that allow the Sky Sports to put the clips up of, of, of wickets and sixes and all. And we're already seeing, there's a lot of, there's a community on social media of sort of amateur, semi-professional and professional rugby analysts who spend a lot of their own time studying the matches and pulling out clips. And any anyone who's an NFL fan who has follows NFL on their social media on a Sunday night, it is just full of 
clips of, of matches, touchdowns, tackles, whatever. It's full of it. And it goes on for the whole week. Conversations about, about decisions, about pieces of excellence. They mic up the, the players and the coaches. So through the week, that gets dropped in as well. Rugby does the opposite. Rugby clamps down on it. You get people banned from social media. They get, they get copyright infringements when all they're doing are using clips of matches to generate conversation and interest and and in a lot of cases showcase things that people haven't seen or haven't noticed and these guys are doing it because it's their hobby and it's their it's their joy but in so doing they are spreading the word of the game and Mm. yet the game itself is clamping down on it and it is so short-sighted and stupid that uh, I want to give Dever of the Week to all of those people who ban these guys and try and get clips of rugby off social media when they should be begging people to put it on social media. There you go. Lift up the shutters. Steve, yeah, yeah. God or Goddess? Devil? Uh, I think uh, my Goddess is, is going to be this week. My God this week is going to be Clive Rowlands, uh, the great man who's passed away this week, a fantastic friend uh, and uh, great Lions manager. He once told me that, um, uh, that when he was in the Welsh team and when he was finally dropped, he, he said... Uh, the Welsh team was then picked by five selectors. Uh, they were called the Big Five. And he said, they told me I was dropped. And I said, uh, he said, I was in this room and um, they were all in there having their gin and tonics and all that. And one by one, they came up to me, the, the Big Five. And they said, Clive, I'm really sorry. I voted for you. <laughs> Charlatans. <laughs> well, there you go. Love another nice tribute there to Clive Rowlands. Um, to round it off, um, honourable mention to the Seagull that was disrupting Scotland, Italy at Murrayfield. I don't know if either of you saw that. He was running lines and in the middle of the field. Um, so I don't know whether that's a god, goddess or devil, but maybe an animal of the week. And then, But no, my actual one, I think, Scott Barrett uh, in the second row for New Zealand, oh, kicking yeah. it all off with absolutely smashing um, poor old Tate McDermott on his own line and setting up a try. And then an ama- for anyone who's played second row or in the forwards to run basically like an outside centre and chuck an amazing offload out the back to set up mm-hmm. another flowing move for the All Blacks. That was a, an amazing performance from him. So he is my God of the Week. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is that. We've had a World Cup squad. We've rattled through the Rugby Championship. We've teed up a bit of rugby coming on Saturday. And we're back. And we're going to be back f- for ages. We're going to be here with you all season, from now, every week, every Monday, through France. There'll be extra pods, specials coming. Keep tuned for that. But for now, thanks to Alex Lowe. Thank you. And thanks to Steve. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. And thanks to you all for listening. And this podcast was produced, as ever, by the great Alfie Reynolds. See you all next time. (laughs) These days, having versatile clothing you can wear anywhere is a must. That's why American Giant makes all sorts of versatile any-weather staples. Hoodies, jackets, and more. Whether you're buying a gift or stocking your closet, you'll find just what you need. And it's all made right here in the USA. Find your new wardrobe staples at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your order when you use code AnyStyle24 at checkout. That's 20% off at American-Giant.com, promo code AnyStyle24. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times. And it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. 
Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. 